Please pray with me. Father, as we just sang, we do ask that you come and disperse the gloomy clouds of night, that you order all things far and nigh, and that you fill the whole world with heaven's peace. O come, O come, Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. You may be seated. Several years ago, um, I'm not sure where or, or when, I learned a form of uh, prayer, a guiding form for your prayer time. It's based on the word ACTS. You may have heard of it yourselves. A-C-T-S. You think about starting with adoration in your prayer time, uh, adoring the Lord for who he is and, and what he's done. You move to confession, especially after you have looked at who God is. It's not difficult to see how far we uh, are from that. And um, we go into confession. T for thanksgiving, offer your thanksgivings to the Lord, and then supplication. Pray for those things that you need. And I have found that to be a great form in informing my prayer time so that it's not just one thing or the other. This past um, season, the clergy women of the ACNA meet once a month on a, a Zoom call, and we have a teaching. And about, I don't know, maybe six months ago, the teaching was on lament and prayers of lament. And something about that really resonated with me. And it made me realize that maybe there's one more type of prayer that I need to add to my prayer life. Um, certainly no one has taught me prayers of lament, so I've had to do a little bit of studying. Biblically thinking, they're prayers that are usually, that usually contain expressions of complaint, anger, grief, despair, and protest to God. Prayers of lament are often our response to sin, uh, perhaps our own or perhaps the sin of others, of the nation, of the world. It's our response often to the brokenness and the complexities of this life. The dictionary defines lament as a passionate expression of grief or sorrow, an expression of regret or disappointment, a complaint. To express regret or disappointment over something considered to be difficult or unreasonable or unsatisfactory or unfair. When you think about lament, think about words like weeping, wailing, groaning, sobbing, moaning, howling, crying. And maybe this is why we don't talk about it very much. It's not fun and it's difficult and it can be messy to talk about grief and pain and anger. There are many scriptures um, that talk about, that are examples of lament. Many of the Psalms are laments. Some of them are individual, as the psalmist is crying out to God uh, for his own concerns. This is his own thing. They're, um, sometimes they're communal. Sometimes they're about um, what's going on in the bigger picture. They're often following natural disasters or plagues or oppression brought on by surrounding nations. 
I, I know that most of us remember that after the 9-11 event at the Twin Towers, so many churches immediately opened their doors for services of prayer. Those were communal, those were times of communal lament as we came together to cry out to God for what had just happened that was so unsatisfactory, so unreasonable, so unfair, so difficult for us to process. We just heard in Psalm 13, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? In Psalm 6, I'm just going to go through some phrases that you'll find in the Psalms. In Psalm 6, you hear these words, My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord, how long? Another Psalm 4, Answer me when I call to you, my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. How long will you people turn my glory into shame? How long? How long? You hear in in the psalmist deep, deep cries of anguish. Deep cries that whatever this situation is, whatever has been going on, it's been long enough. How long, Lord? An example of a communal psalm is is one that says, Awake, O Lord, why do you sleep? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why Why do you hide your face and forget our misery and our oppression? Over and over in the Psalms, you'll find certain phrases. Answer me. Answer me. I'm crying out to you. I'm telling you what's breaking my heart. Answer me. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen, Lord, there's something on my mind. There's something on my heart. I need to talk to you about it. Hear my prayer. And then the, the question, why? Why, Lord? Why do you stand far off, says Psalm 10? One very familiar psalm that we hear usually uh, on Good Friday or Maundy Thursday, Psalm 22 My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why, my soul, are you downcast? So the Psalms are a good place to help us learn what it means to lament. They give us examples of passionate expressions of complaint, of anger and grief and despair and protest. Passionate expressions that cry out that there is something that is unsatisfactory unreasonable, unfair, difficult. We heard just a moment ago from Lamentations. As a result of Judah's ongoing and unrepentant idolatry, God had allowed the Babylonians to besiege, plunder, burn, and destroy the city of Jerusalem. Solomon's temple, which had stood for approximately 400 years, was burned to the ground. And so the prophet Jeremiah, who sees this, who is an eyewitness to this devastation, wrote the book of Lamentations as a lament for what had occurred. It's a book of five poems, and there is a deep sense of grief throughout the book. You will find phrases like, 
This is why I weep and my eyes overflow with tears. No one is near to comfort me, no one to restore my spirit. My groans are many and my heart is faint. My eyes fail from weeping. I am in torment within. Powerful stuff. Jeremiah is putting words to the aching in his heart, to the pain that he's experiencing, having seen the destruction of the temple. And he's he's expressing um, probably what it would be similar for us to feel if our community was wiped out by, most likely in this area, a hurricane. How we would feel if this building that we are standing in, that we worship in, was destroyed. How we would feel if our homes were destroyed. You can also find laments in Job and Habakkuk and Mark where Bartimaeus cries out, Jesus, son of David, have pity on me. And Jesus himself laments in the Garden of Gethsemane when he cries, Father, all things are possible to you. Take this cup from me. And in the midst of his agony on the cross, he echoes the words of Psalm 22 that we had just heard. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So I was thinking, we have these great examples of lament. But but why offer prayers of lament? I mean, isn't it just whining? Isn't it just focusing on what's negative? Isn't it just, um, couldn't we learn from Paul who learned to be content in all circumstances? I mean, really, come on, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, rejoice. And then I think about the words that, are so familiar from Ecclesiastes. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. So prayers of lament are not just whining. It's not just focusing on the negative, and it's not about being discontent. They're prayers that at the right time give voice to the parts of our human experience that we often push down and don't express. Um, I think one of the most amazing examples I've ever seen of the right time was this past Sunday. When right in the middle of the prayers of the people, we learned that our sister Pat had gone to be with the Lord. And immediately, people began to give thanks for her life and for her influence. And there was this joyful giving thanks for her life. And throughout that time, there were sniffles in the congregation. There was mourning at the same time. There's a time for mourning. There's a time for weeping. There's a time for laughing. There's a time for dancing. And so prayers of lament are appropriate. Paul Miller in his book, A Praying Life, wrote, We think that laments are disrespectful. God says the opposite. Lamenting shows that you are engaged with God in a vibrant, living faith. 
we live in a deeply broken world. If the pieces of our world aren't breaking your heart and you aren't in God's face about them, then you have thrown in the towel. So why don't we lament? Well, rather than express our emotions, we tend to hide them. We tend to distance ourselves from even feeling them or acknowledging them. We pretend they don't exist. And we busy ourselves with work or entertainment or all kinds of other things that we hope will just make it feel better. And I was thinking, why is it so difficult for us to be in touch with the things that we feel? Why is it so difficult to express them? And I had to laugh when I realized that, you know, newborn babies are are born with an ability to lament, right? I mean, you think about it. A baby is hungry, and he lets you know immediately with lamenting very loudly, especially in the middle of the night. He lets you know this is not okay. Something's going on here that's not okay. And then something changes when they start developing reason and understanding, and we start expecting them to control their lament. And so when they when they're, have an issue and they're crying, we tend to start encouraging them, you're okay, it's all right, you can stop crying. You know, you're, I remember, this is just me saying to my kids, are you bleeding? If you're not, you're good, it's okay. Um, and we start training them early on to close down that pain. Now, I'm not saying it's not necessary at times to do that, but I wonder if it would have helped our kids and us being raised to learn how to put a voice to what we're feeling, to to help teach children how to express that they're angry, that they're hurt, that they're grieving, that something made them mad or something is unfair. So I think we don't lament because in a way it's kind of been trained out of us. We don't lament, I believe, because it's not part of our culture. Several years ago I had the privilege of serving at a funeral for one of our Sudanese members. And unfortunately, if I remember correctly, he had been, someone had broken into the apartment and murdered him. So it was very tragic and very painful. And I remember we processed out of the church, and we went, and the hearse was there, and they moved the casket into the hearse, and the women started wailing. And as the hearse pulled off, the wife chased the hearse as far as she could go in the parking lot. And my first reaction was, this is different. This is awkward. And my second reaction was, This is wonderful. This woman is, her pain is so deep. And she's not trying to hide it or pretend it's not there or or put on a a face that says it's going to be okay. It, It was amazing. I can't imagine anyone in our culture doing that. So I think we don't lament because it's not what we do um, in our culture. Perhaps we were told, you're just so emotional. It's, you know, just kind of, you know, suck it up. It's going to be okay. 
or perhaps, and this one is really sad to me, but I think it's very true, I think we don't lament because we have become anesthetized to pain. We see in front of us on the news every day the brokenness in the world. And it's just another city devastated by a hurricane. It's just another flood somewhere, you know, halfway around the world. It's just another virus. And it's easy to feel like, well, that's not happening here, so it's not affecting me. And maybe we don't lament because we think it's disrespectful. Who am I to ask God why? Who am I to ask God how long? So whatever the reasons, maybe it's time to consider adding prayers of lament to our usual prayers. And so I think, well, how in the world do I begin? I think looking at the Psalms is a great way to to get an example And I thought, maybe if I ask myself the question, is there anything going on right now that is disappointing, unsatisfactory, unreasonable, or unfair? Is there anything going on right now in this world that breaks my heart? Anything worldwide, anything in our country, anything in my personal life? Now, right now, on December 16th of 2020, I don't think it's difficult for us to answer that question. It has been a rough year. It's been a year of disappointments and discouragements. It's been a, a year of confusion and, and, and knowledge that we don't know whether we can trust or not. But I thought if I ask myself that question and I look at the world, I could certainly lament the massive wildfires in Australia. 46 million acres burned. 5,900 buildings. Almost 3,000 of those were people's homes. Lord, why? Flooding in Vietnam and Cambodia. Lord, why? Prolonged drought and locusts that devastated, desperately needed food crops in East Africa. Lord, why? In our nation, I can think of several things. The ongoing racial struggle. How long, Lord? How long? I remember in seventh grade, which was quite a few years ago, when uh, integrating the schools began. And I remember the fights in the hallways, and, and, and then I remember it settling out and students getting along okay. And I'm looking back and thinking of all the years that have passed and thinking, we're not in better shape than this? How long, Lord, how long? We have major political division where it seems like we're not one nation under God anymore, but We're kind of acting like we're two nations and we're really at odds with each other. Hear my cry, O Lord. Listen to my prayer. A very active hurricane season. And, of course, all the stress around the COVID virus. Why, Lord? How long, Lord? Hear my cry, Lord. Personally, in January, we began planning to host our grandson's rehearsal dinner for his wedding. 
We were so excited to string lights on the backyard, and we were talking about food and who all would be there. And and then, as you can guess, the wedding was canceled. They decided they would wait until it was safer and make a decision. The wedding date was March 21st, and they would wait. And then as March began, they thought, you know, we have no idea how this virus is going to play out, and we don't really want to wait. That's the date we wanted. So even though we were not supposed to be gathering in parks, um, they gathered in a park with just the essential people and got married. And we watched from home on a computer. And that was unsatisfactory. That was unfair. I lament not being able to celebrate my grandson's wedding. Several years ago, my uh, younger brother, who for various reasons had ended up alone, started coming over from Tallahassee to spend Christmas with Ted and I and our boys. This past February, he lost his struggle with addiction. I lament his absence this year. In August, my older brother lost his longtime partner, Betty, to pancreatic cancer. I lament his pain and loneliness and the isolation he is feeling right now because of this need to be socially distant from people. So why, Lord? How long, Lord? Hear my cry, O Lord. Is there anything going on that is disappointing, unsatisfactory, unreasonable, or unfair? I believe the answer to that question always will be yes. As long as broken people inhabit a broken world, there will always be those circumstances that can lead us to lament. If we're willing to ask the question and then offer the pain and the grief of those things to God. But we aren't left there. There's more. In many of the lament passages, especially the communal ones, the writer, um, and this is almost difficult to say, the the writer demands that God do something about this. You will hear words like, deliver me, rescue me, restore me. Arise, Lord, lift your hand, O Lord, give me relief from my distress. Do something. We, uh, Ted and I had the blessing of raising three sons, and it was not uncommon at times for one of them to come in to let us know that one of the other ones had been unfair had um, taken his toy, was not sharing, had more candy than he had, whatever the problem was. And the intent was not to just come and inform me that this was what was going on. The intent was for me to do something about it. And when we lament, that's what we're doing. We're We're not just complaining to God, but we're asking him to do something about it. Because we believe.
that he can. And then there's more. If you go back to Psalm 13, we heard the complaint. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? And then the demand, look on me and answer me, O Lord, my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And then it changes completely. And the psalmist writes, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord for he has been good to me. What an amazing transition. You can almost feel the burden lifted. The same thing follows in Lamentations. We, we heard the words, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Yet, this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. We are not consumed. The Lord's compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. And so to lament is to cry out to him in our deepest doubts and troubles, all the while trusting fully in his power and provision to deliver us from despair. These prayers are passionate and messy, but they always circle back to faith in him. During our Thanksgiving service, our preacher Brooke said, It's good to give thanks. It's good for our mental health. It frees us up, and it's good practice. And I believe that the same is true for prayers of lament. It is good to lament. It is good for our mental health. It frees us up, and it's good practice. There is so much more that could be said about lament Um, As I did research and looked online, I I found so many devotionals and blogs and articles, and, and I was so aware that many of them were written this year. And I think that God is calling us to a deeper response to the pain in our own lives and the pain in the world. He's calling us to get over whatever's culturally acceptable and really cry out to him. Um. I'm not advocating that we wail and moan and groan, but if that's what the Lord leads us to, then so be it. So we're going to take an opportunity now, and we're going to go into what's called the candle lighting prayer liturgy, but it's so much more than that. And these prayers that you're going to hear offered are so many of the things that we can lament about. 
the struggles, the, the struggle with addiction, with financial resources, broken relationships, loss of loved ones. There's so many things that you will hear in these prayers. And so I encourage you to not just listen to them as, as nice prayers, but really lament in your heart for the things that will be lifted up. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are wearied and burdened, and I will give you rest. Amen.